Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. So we are pre-recording this little intro uh, a week in advance because of I'm going away to Ibiza. Yeah, so Don't Zoe actually dumped me for this chat and uh, I had to take it solo. <laughs> I mean, the dance floor was calling. I had to go. Look, no, George, well done. You, Priorities. You... <laughs> Everyone needs to go for a dance sometimes. <laughs> um, thank you so much for doing it, though. Um, and actually, I was gutted to miss it because I love Susie. I followed her on Instagram for a really long time. And I think she's she's one of the most real Instagrammers. And I love the way that she documents parenting. So t- t- tell me about it. How yeah. was it? Yeah. No, do you know what? It was an, an amazing chat. We covered so much. We actually spoke a lot about hyperemesis um, and just how tricky that can be she's mm. when we obviously get in, into the chat when I asked her what a day in like her life of being pregnant the second and third time was actually like and she basically didn't get out of bed for, for oh, night Jesus. like I think it was like for five months or something like that so we talked a lot about that um we spoke about her births Did she talked to you about her relationship with Greg we touched on it we touched yep. on it um but mainly, of course, she had so much to say about birth and pregnancy and raising three children. And gosh, yeah. it was it was a really great chat. And and she came on and she was just really open and honest and direct, but still a bit funny, which I like. She's, She's so still, funny. She has yeah, she has this kind of sarcasm and funny kind of edge to anything she's saying, which I yeah. loved. Yeah, because it kind I mean. of kept it a bit lighthearted. Well, I'm excited to listen to this one. So let's just get straight into it. George, who did you chat to without me? In case you haven't guessed, I chatted to the lovely Susie Verrill. Yay, welcome to the podcast, Susie. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm good, yeah. Well, I'm recording this sat in bed, so I'm very professional. Um, yes, yeah, quite nice to be here early on a Tuesday morning. How, how's your morning been? What, what have you been up to? Morning's been good. We've obviously done the school run. Um, we made the error of having friends over last night, which means that the kids were like tired and grumpy and it was more of a rush than normal because they didn't want to get up. Um, you know what it's like when you do the school run you know you have visions in your head of how it's going to go and even if you try and plan everything the night before it always just tends to be like just everyone trying to bustle out the door and 
hectic. Um, but other than that, it's, uh, you know, it's nice, nice, nice to <laughs> to the routine after five years off on, um, oh on my what gosh. it felt like summer was. It just felt like a long time, didn't it? It did. And do you know what? I can't actually work out whether I prefer my kids getting up early, like for school. So at one point, I think they were getting up before six o'clock and I was like, oh mm. my God, this is ridiculous. But actually not in a rush for school. We could have done anything. Yeah. Or like now where I have to wake them up <laughs> for school and I'm like, oh god this is awful we go out in a rush I can't work out where I want them to be um but it it never feels ideal anyway before we um get started for those listening who maybe don't know who you are or haven't heard from you for a while just let, let them know like what you've been up to and you know I guess who you are what you're doing so I'm Susie and I'm a mum of three uh I used to work in social media actually but for magazine titles um different brands and used to do some consultancy Uh, and then when I became a mum I felt really lonely because I was living in a place where I didn't know anybody I'd moved um, sort of a year previously to live with my partner and it was a completely different part of the country and um, I just kind of tapped into that uh, sort of mum blogging world that was growing at the time and um just make connections that way and just being able to talk about becoming a mum when a lot of my friends weren't at that stage uh, was just really good for my mental health really because otherwise I would have felt even more lonely than I did um and more recently I just had my had my third child a year ago so we're just trying to juggle life with three and my partner works full-time as well uh, mainly in broadcasting so he's away quite a lot um and there's not really we don't have a routine most days are completely different to the others you know it's a busy household we've got a lot of animals we've got a lot of chickens and dogs (laughs) (laughs) and um it's just we're just trying to muddle through as best we can with a little bit of sort of glam thrown in uh, you yeah. know red carpet event or whatever very normal and um I just talk about it love it sounds exhausting when you say you've got three kids and chickens and dogs and oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a lot take us back to your pregnancy you mentioned that you know your friends maybe hadn't had children yet and you felt quite lonely take us back the moment that you found out you were pregnant and how how that was for you when I got together with Greg my partner um we were both quite we we were both quite eager to start a family actually we'd um so I was 25 and he was 27 I think at this point and we felt like we felt quite young but we also felt like we'd kind of done quite a lot of stuff as well and we were in no rush to kind of get married or engaged or anything like that but we were just like actually we we both want children and um, we'd quite like to have them sort of soonish so after about a year we um, tried and were very lucky that it happened very quickly Uh, and I don't one of my friends was pregnant but again, I didn't live anywhere near her. But aside from that, we had no one around us that had any children. We just, I grew up with a lot of, um, I grew up with three nephews from, you know, from a very young age. I've got older brothers and sisters. And I felt like really set. I was like, I've done so much babysitting. I've been around kids loads. And at one point I wanted to be a teacher. I'm going to love it. This is what I'm made for. Um, and then the reality was just completely different. 
I we about four days in, we just sat at home with you know like the baby TV kaleidoscope like yeah thing that was playing. Milo was the grumpiest baby you'd ever met because he was a forceps delivery, which I don't think was great, and he had all these like wind issues. And we honestly like, what have we done? This is miserable. Yeah. We were so sad, and I think in hindsight, it's scared. Yeah, because we just thought this is not what we thought the newborn phase was the easy bit and if we can't even do this and we felt like we were set then what what is in store for us in a you know when we when we hit the terrible twos we just thought like this was a bit of a mistake I was when I look back I just feel really sad it's a really sad time yeah and you both felt like that yes I think Greg is very practical and very hands-on and he was excellent but when we had the frank conversations of like, what, you know, what the hell is this? What have um, we done? Yeah, yeah he, he was on the same page. And I'd say the only reason I probably feel worse was the physical aspect. Mm. You know, he, I, I was quite a bit resentful of the fact that he could feel the same as me, but he could go off and do, he was still training at this point. He could do his training. He could go traveling, uh, compete. And he also didn't have a broken vagina. So I just felt like, well, you are, you're still <laughs> leaps ahead of me. Um, yeah. but we were still very much, yeah, both, both sort of on the same page. Struggling. And how was the birth? Terrible. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't good. I had no expectations. I was very relaxed going in. Uh, didn't have a birth plan and, um, practiced hypnobirthing. So I did think I was going into it quite calm. Um, everything went wrong. It ended up with an emergency forceps delivery in the room as I, could, I didn't have time to go down for surgery. Um, and it was, it was, it wasn't great. It was, it was really quite awful. So oh then um, I, I still have to have reconstructive surgery um, due to just how they did it. So it was all incredibly painful. I don't remember much of it because I went to shock and then I had to have therapy afterwards for post-traumatic stress disorder. So it wasn't great. <laughs> Starting, no. starting point. And then, because I always I always find that when you speak to people who've had like a traumatic birth or not got off to the best start or the start that they thought it would be, almost those sick first six months are just awful because you never get that chance to recover, do you? You're going like straight from what essentially is like a car crash to another one and then yeah. another one and then another one and you never have time to like come up for air when can you pinpoint like when things changed for you like when when did you start you know maybe thinking like seeing the light and thinking oh actually do you know what this is going to be okay realistically we um I think we bumbled through and we did pretty well and I think with your first baby as well you're quite keen to show like nothing nothing much has changed and we're still really good and you know four months in I'm going to try and exercise and it's all good here but I think realistically it took me to about 15 months Mm. to um I one day thought oh I'm like I'm quite happy and I'm quite content and I'm not overthinking everything and I think it's Milo was a little bit more independent and I was getting more back from him. I think that was the real turning point when I felt like this is okay and we're now a little family and we've got our own groove and I yeah I just didn't have that sort of like heaviness. It it felt like yeah. life life was kind of returning back to normal. Um early days I would say 
I remember there being a glimmer of light when he smiled for the first time. And I thought, oh, that's that's really nice because I feel as though it's like a sort of human now. We know each other and he's not just this person that I've got to look after. Obviously, I loved him dearly, but it was very, it was kind of primal. Like I just got to look after this thing. Yeah. Um, when he was giving stuff back, that, you know, that was quite nice as well. But I certainly still struggled with anxiety and um, just kind of, low I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't say I have postnatal depression I would say that I I had anxiety and obviously enough to go to therapy for the for, for the for the shock um but yeah about about 15 months that's quite a while I think yeah yeah and I think it is different for everyone I, I find it so like fascinating now I, my children are three and six so I feel like I'm kind of like out of not out of the woods but you know like it, life is a bit easier now mm. and I was one of the first out of my friendship group to have children and they are all sort of starting to have kids now so they always phone, you know phone me and sort of explain things that are going on and, and you you kind of you think oh gosh I want to tell you like don't worry about these things like you know just relax it doesn't matter if you forget nappies when you go out because actually there's shops and if you forget (laughs) them you can just go and buy some and if your baby cries it really doesn't matter and if this happens it actually but that doesn't help like that doesn't help them in that situation does it so I'm and it's I don't know I find it really interesting that there's so many things that I, I used to feel so worried about and I felt so stressed leaving the house mm. every time I left the house because they'd poo and then you'd think, oh my God, I'm going to be late. And oh, okay, I just, I, you know, I just won't go. There's, there's no point. There's no point. Yeah. I, I can't go. And they all seem like such little things now, but you know, to any new parents listening, it, it's such a valid feeling. Like it, I think so many of us feel like that, don't we? Oh, absolutely. And I think you can get all the reassurance that you can take in but it's still it's it's on you isn't it to kind of ride that wave and then I think if you do go on to have other children then you do just let it slide because you don't have the time um but that that first time I will always say you know when I see a first time mum or if someone messages me I'm I'm a first time mum I just always get taken back to to that Mm. feeling of you really your whole life changes no matter how you prepare and you've just got nothing there's no way of sort of knowing if you're doing things right and 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 knowing if the feelings that you're feeling are valid and you do really just have to weather the storm and I think like you say the best thing that you can do is just to say to your friends or the people that you know that are going through it it just it will get better and Mm. it is really tough and whatever you're feeling is what you're feeling and you're good you know it's it's just about letting people know that, isn't it? Yeah, and and also like when you, when I think about it, as you give birth, however you do that, and then there's this basically a stranger in your house mm. that you don't know. You don't actually know this person that's now living in your house, and you have to do everything for them. <laughs> it's uh, imagine if someone said that to you, like, oh, and you're not going to get paid, and you're not going to sleep, and you're really not going to have any time for yourself, and you you don't really know them, and they cry, and you're not going to know what it means. You'd be like, oh no. No thanks. No yeah. thanks. I don't really. I don't want that job. That job sounds awful. Yeah, and hard. <laughs> really hard. Anyway, but we've gone on to do it again, so it can't have been that bad. <laughs> so tell us about your second pregnancy. How was that? So second pregnancy uh, was when I first experienced hyperemesis. So that was a barrel of laughs. That was awful. I um, I've had two hyperemesis pregnancies. My first one, I didn't suffer. Um, my second and third I did uh, the, so the second pregnancy was 
very, very intense and lasted from uh, about six weeks until 24 weeks. And I didn't know what was going on. I was on a cocktail of drugs, uh, which made me very drowsy just to kind of get me through the day, you know, while vomiting excessively. Um, And I had Milo, who was two. So I felt terrible and guilty and Greg was away a lot and I just didn't know what was going on. The only thing I could put it down to was maybe I was having a girl and I had very different pregnancies. Previously, I've been pregnant with a boy, but then we found out that I was having another boy. So it, it was purely just the case of, you know, with this pregnancy, you've gone from having bad morning sickness and nausea with the first pregnancy, which went very quickly and was manageable to high premises, which is a whole other world of hell. But then five months after that was fine. I was very fine. thin, very thin, but um, felt, felt you know, got the glow, come off the medication and was fine till the end. Yeah. And so for people listening, I think it's only recently, like recent years really, that people actually understand what high premises is. I think so many people think, oh, it's just bad morning sickness. Like, you know, just tell us a little bit about what a day, you know, Give us a snapshot of what a day was like when you're going through that. The best way that I can describe it to someone who hasn't experienced it and won't um, is if you have had gastroenteritis or uh, norovirus, um, it would be, or, or, or terrible food poisoning perhaps, it would be like that, kind of double it. And then you have an extreme sense of smell. Um, so you're you are vomiting throughout the day and you feel very unwell, but it can also be triggered by smells and um, colours, movement, and um, you become almost, it's almost like you're allergic to life. So my if Milo would come in the room, I wouldn't be able to have him in the room because he would smell and his movement would cause me to be sick. Obviously, it's very upsetting and you feel so unwell if you try to cry that can make you sick <laughs> and you can't cry either and you really dehydrate so you've got no tears anyway it's essentially a living hell because you know that you have to eat to keep yourself alive and keep your baby alive I couldn't keep ice cubes down I couldn't keep pain really down very often I couldn't keep the medication down uh, there's many trips to the hospital to go on drips if you're very very unfortunate then you can be put on steroids and um, I mean, some women have suffered a lot more than me. And I would consider mm. myself like a real sufferer. You know, your kidneys come pack in, your hair falls out. Uh, I would spend 24-7 in bed with my last pregnancy. So my third pregnancy, I was in bed from the 22nd of August until pretty much the 1st of December. Wow. The only time I got out of bed was to go and have scans or to go to the hospital to have drips. And bear in mind, I've got two children. Yeah. It was awful. And I was going to say, how how do you cope with that when you have got two children to look like to look after? Well, really, everyone else has to step in. And, yeah. that, you know, if, if Greg wasn't here and my mum didn't visit to help, I don't know how I would have got through it. And in all seriousness, I probably would have had to consider a termination because there is there is nothing that you can do. You can't look after someone else because you can't look after yourself. I was going to say that, you know, was there were there points when you thought, like, is this actually worth like, is this worth it? Can I can I do this? Yeah, I've got it. 
I actually tried to film a sort of video diary this time around. And there was a point when I was eight weeks pregnant and I'm filming myself in the middle of the night. Um, I'd been sick again. And I just, you know, I'm sort of saying through, te- through tears, sometimes knowing that a baby coming at the end of this isn't enough. And, it, and that's the truth. And for anyone that has a very wanted pregnancy to go through that and to get to the point where you think, I just don't know if I can do this just for the sake of, of having another child, you know, that I feel like that just tells you everything of, of how mm. much, how acute the suffering is. You really are putting yourself through hell every day and you're normally just kind of ticking off the dates, another one gone with the hope that as you get further in, that it's going to sort of ebb away. Yeah. This pregnancy, it was pretty much the whole way through, but I managed to stop vomiting by about month five, six with the, with the two separate drugs that I was taking throughout the day. And then it was just a case of kind of keeping the nausea and the other feeling the food versions kind of under control until the end. We'll be right back after this short break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? You said you, obviously, this came on in your second pregnancy. Is it a thing that it will happen if you you know had another child? So when you went on to have your third, did you know that you were going to feel like this? And were you prepared? Or is it just like not potluck, but you know, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't? I think if I'm right, uh, research does show that if you've had it once, then you're more susceptible to having it the next time. It can often be the case that it is worse the next time that you have it. Um, we prepared. I did have to contact my doctor's when I uh, was trying for baby number three and let them know, uh, they put me under a team of um, doctors who specialise in women's health and women's pregnancy. This is NHS, you know, they, they will do this yeah. for anybody. It's just letting them know and they can look at your notes as well to see sort of about your hospital admissions and uh, the medication that you've been on previously. Um, I contacted Pregnancy Sickness Support, who are a wonderful charity who support women who uh, go through hyperemesis. And um, it was just a case of making sure that everything was teed up as much as possible. Although there really isn't anything that you can do if you're going to suffer, you're going to suffer. You, you, you have the, op- uh, the option of medication. There are some medications which are stronger, which some doctors aren't always happy to um, prescribe. So I wanted to make sure that ahead of time, I wrote to my doctor to say, I would like to give that a try if possible. And she was great. You know, she made sure that <laughs> my my own doctor is male. 
And at one point he did try to take over and it meant that I went a weekend without having any medication in the hospital. So it is really (gasps) important, obviously. Yeah, you need to be prepared. So you talked about your first birth being really traumatic, but your second and third births were very different. Tell us about that. My first birth was on the NHS. My second birth, um, I've spoken about this before, we did decide to go private. um, And that was purely because we decided to um I, I had quite a lot of birth trauma obviously from the first one and I just thought I I know that I'm going to become quite fixated on what I would like to happen with the next um birth so I did choose to go private purely because I wanted to have an elected c-section and yeah. um I wanted to make that choice without feeling as though I was going to have to prove myself prove my trauma yeah, fight for it yeah yeah um and I feel very lucky, very privileged that we're able to do that. I like to always be very open about that because I haven't had the experience of pushing for a C-section on the NHS. And I, I don't, yeah. you know, I wouldn't be able to give any advice on how to do that. So we chose to go private and um, it was a wonderful birth. And it uh, sort of healed some of my uh, feelings of the, of the first one. And I went into having um, my second feeling very comfortable and set and healthy mentally and physically so um you know I'm very appreciative that we were able to do that and it was you know it was a big stretch for us but we were just kind of like we're gonna have to let's do everything that we can to make sure that we're not back at where we were before yeah absolutely and I think as well like in so many different countries it's actually so normal to do that like one of my best mates is she just had a baby they live in Singapore Mm -hmm. and she's like well everybody has a seashell like everyone does that and I really do think like if I had been given the choice I was 26 when I fell pregnant with my first and I just kind of went with what I was told so I just I didn't really know that there were options and I just did you know just did as I was told and I think if I had been given an option to have an elected c-section and looked at like the risks and stuff I'd probably would I probably would have done it because in some ways in lots of places they say that's actually the safest way to do it like you're eliminating so many risk factors Um, but here there seems to still be some weird thing about it not you know not with friendship groups particularly but I do sometimes think there's this oh did you do hypnobirthing oh gosh what you had pain relief it's so odd it's so odd and also this element of are you going to try for yeah it's always a natural you know I like to say like vaginal and abdominal are you going to try for a natural person I think like if I'd have known what I was heading into yeah of course you would have tried that I don't care how they come here just them out yeah and it's a bit of a gamble like it's a gamble you don't actually know how your body's going to be how you're going to react like it is it's a huge gamble yeah did you have you had a c-section or were your no no I haven't um I I actually ended up having two okay births I had an epidural with my first um I was actually induced all the stuff that sounds really scary and in NCT they put like induction in red and epidural in red and actually I just had all of the drugs and I couldn't feel a thing and it was actually fine worked right. out and then my second uh it, ha- it was over and done within an hour and a half so oh. I didn't actually have like a second to consider my options because it she was out and done yeah. and actually really positive so um but I, I do think if I actually had researched it and looked at it I'd have I would have probably gone for 
a C-section because it would have eliminated lots of the worries and stuff that I had. And it's good, I think, for people to hear that there are actually options. I I didn't really know, like going into it, none of my friends had had babies, hadn't really spoken to anyone about it. I just went and did what I was told. Mm. Um, So yeah, I think it's it's good to hear and like good to explore those options. Um, I really want to talk to you about breastfeeding because I didn't get on very well with breastfeeding. Second time, maybe a little bit better I did it for a few months which I really surprised myself but you have really got on with breastfeeding you love it and you do talk about it on your socials a lot um so yeah just tell us I guess give us a little insight into how how it's been for you well I'm definitely lucky in the sense that I've not really had any complications with breastfeeding so I think it's quite easy for me to be able to say you know it's it's great and keep going if you can but then I've never really come up against many hurdles first off I've got a good supply and the kids seem to take to it very quickly um so actually I think I wouldn't have a clue what I was doing with bottles I've tried it before like on nights where we've gone out and uh you know I thought like oh I'll put some stuff aside and uh see if they'll take to it and 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 they don't you know hats off to anyone that has to do all of the bottle prep and stuff I, I would be baffled and my first two have both got to two and then I've weaned them off um first time is because I was pregnant and I didn't fancy tandem feeding and the second time uh was because he was waking up he he went through a phase where he was waking up throughout the night and I felt like I was back to having a newborn but he was you know two and I just thought for my own sanity I'm gonna have to just a stop to this so I love it and I'm happy to do it for as long as we're both comfortable you know, not just baby. I think it's really important that if we're feeling like we want to get our bodies back now, then it's good to stop. But Daphne's still feeding and she is 18 months and um, she doesn't show any signs of stopping on like, <laughs> you know, that she's making that decision. Um, but I think, you know, if we can get to near two, then great. But I should, I, I think once we get there, then I'll be, I'll be done. We then go back to their normal disappointing and flat appearance (laughs) (laughs) how has it been like I guess being the one that your babies are relying on like have you ever been able to get away or you you just can't do that's just not an option no there's no um there's no going away overnight they've all been quite good if I go out for a while you know a bit grisly but they they're okay they're they're not particularly clingy they do know I'm going to come back so they're fine. None of them have taken bottles. They'd sooner have, I mean, Daphne drinks like water and juice, you know, yeah. she'd, she'd sooner have that and then know that I'm going to come back um, with boo, as she calls it. Uh, but no, no going away, sadly, while I'm breastfeeding. Greg is great at being the one who cooks. He's, he's good at sort of being like, you know, you sit there, feed the baby and I'll yeah. cook you something and get you a drink. He's great at that. But yeah, it does mean it's kind of, all on me for those first couple of years yeah and like I do you know I think I'm I was always just like wanting to get my life back as soon as possible I just I was it was in this big rush like after I'd had a baby like 
that's it. I must get back to normal life again. You know, we, you know, me and my husband, we've got to go on dates and we've got to have nights away and we've got to do this. But actually, we had a guest on a few weeks ago and she said, sometimes it's good to look at your life in chapters and think, well, this chapter is just family chapter. And then the next chapter, I'll have a friend's chapter. And then the next chapter will be this. And since then, I think, oh, gosh, yeah, like we don't need to keep rushing to the next bit and the next bit and the next bit. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think that's a great way of looking at it because especially now I've had my third and like we're done I just feel like I'm in no rush to rush it this time around just I you know this is the this is the point where we've been having kids and we're tired and we're maybe not doing as much as we could as a couple and we're having just lots of cozy nights in or taking the kids with us and it is chaotic but the time will come especially now you know my eldest is almost eight the time will come when they are less interested and they are doing their own thing. And then yeah. I'll have three of those and then we can hang out all the time. Yeah. But but right, yeah. n- right now, I'm just quite content to be around and to be on demand. It's it's very quickly the, the case that they're, they, they're just then children, you know. Yeah, yeah. I do, yeah. Once, it's, once they start reception, I think they go in like a little, well, not toddler, but a really small child. And then even after mm. the first week, you're like, oh, okay, fully grown child, basically. <laughs> Great. Exactly. <laughs> it's just happened. <laughs> just before we wrap up, um, we always like to ask our guests, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given as a parent or a piece of advice that you'd give to a mate that's just, you know, just had a baby? So the best piece of advice actually comes from my dad who is not someone I would normally take advice off of, got to be honest. (laughs) When we had my first, he said, don't listen to any advice. And I thought that that was great. He then went on to say, don't take any advice unless you've asked for it. Don't take any advice from anyone that you wouldn't normally go to advice for or who's in a trusted position. And that is what I always try to say to other people because you get so much conflicting advice when you've had your first you have no idea what's right. Um, yeah. And actually, it's just whatever works for you and whatever gets you through those first few months. So unless I'm asking for it, I don't want to hear it. And that's how I try to approach it with my friends as well. Just I'm, I'm not going to tell them anything. I'm just going yeah. to sit yeah. there till they need me. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I think. I I find it difficult as well sometimes because of this podcast. We've been doing this podcast for, I think, four years now. And we do two episodes a week. And we sometimes have like experts on and like you feel completely bamboozled with information. And so sometimes like, you know, your friends, you know that you could direct them and be like, you could do this, you could do that. And I just have to like zip my mouth up and think, no, if they want to, like, they'll ask. They'll yeah. ask because there's nothing more annoying. And everyone does, I think people, when they give advice, they are trying to help. But unless you've asked for it, you're right. It's, it, yeah, it's not wanted. No, everyone means well, but it's it's never the same. It's never that you're never given the same piece of advice twice. So you just end up second guessing, you're overthinking it. So it's, yeah, yeah, I just think, you know, seek out the info if you need it and then take it and run with it but if not then <laughs> you're golden yeah. you're good <laughs> you're good and products like what products do you swear by for all, all three children so the one present I always get my friends when they're pregnant is Sterimar which is uh <laughs> yes what a luxury product you put in a really nice box <laughs> Just a big bow on it. <laughs> a big bow on it, yeah. <laughs> Here's some sterile for your child's snotty nose because it's great. Like I, yeah. 
<laughs> with Milo, he had a terrible cold at about seven weeks old. And Greg said, do you know what we'll do? We'll just hold his nose and he'll know to breathe out of his mouth. So we did that and he wasn't doing it. And we were thinking like this baby, you know, holding his nose to just, and he kept sort of, we then found out babies can't breathe out, out of their mouths for the first three months. So we almost suffocated our child. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> we had no other, we were just like, he's so snotty and he can't breathe. What are we going to do? And my mum, uh, bless her, this was like months later, I could have definitely done with it earlier, said, well, you know, the sterile is great. And it's literally just a nasal spray. You spray it up and they either sneeze or it just runs out. And isn't yeah. it amazing? I, I never yeah, knew I would love the sight of child snot as much yeah. as I'd like the, the thicker, the better. Oh, it's great. So <laughs> any parent now, I'm like, just shove that up your child's nose all the time. <laughs> sterema, sterema, sterema. <laughs> exactly. It's like my father-in-law with pseudocreme. Like, I've got a cold, pseudocreme. I've broken my leg, pseudocreme. That'd be you. Slather <laughs> it on. <laughs> sterema, here we go. <laughs> exactly. It's the sole rival problem. Anything else? Like any other, I don't know, carriers, push chairs, like anything else that you really love? Uh, yeah, well, we love baby carriers. Um I, I love, oh, there's a, a brilliant woman called uh, Ring Sling Company and she makes her own slings. She's really cool and um, single mum. And I have gifted a couple of friends those as well. And it's just so lovely to have, you know, a little baby there, especially if you've got other children and then you can potter around and just carry on with your normal life, but know that they're there nice and cosy. Uh, and I think other than that, I would say get a baby monitor with a video camera. Yeah. Because it just laying down, getting cosy, and then you you can literally see him there. You know he's breathing. He's not rolled onto his face. Or nothing's fallen off the wall. Just make sure you get one with a video camera. That's all I would say. Love that. Thank you so much, Susie. It's been great. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Do you think... If you had pregnancy in that way, so like as in you could not get out of bed, like mm. couldn't get out of bed. She said she was almost allergic to life. She was even allergic to her own child. Oh, when her God. child came in the room, she felt sick and she she would actually throw up. So she was just allergic to everything. I genuinely don't think I could have coped. I mean, she meant, you know, she said that she did kind of consider whether or not it was worth it. I, wow. I, I don't, I don't think I, I could have coped. Like, I really don't. And I just think anyone who is in that situation, that is like, when she said, I don't know if a baby at the end yeah. is enough. Yeah. I get. I completely get that. Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having norovirus for five months? Well, that's basically that's exactly basically what it is. What isn't it is. It? You know that feeling of when you're really hungover and you're throwing up the next day. That just goes on and on and Never on. But this was with her middle child. Like she had another baby. Yeah. So she her second and third. Her third. Yeah. So her first, she just has sort of average um, yeah, you know, know, morning yeah. sickness, that kind yeah. of thing. And then second and third just hit her. I mean. Uh, I know you kind of read about it and you hear about how bad it can be, but when you put it into perspective that she literally didn't get out of bed, like didn't, didn't leave what the house incredible apart from appointments. I just, I, I mean, I know now she probably looks back and think, oh yeah, it was so worth it. But can you imagine while Go you're laying it. there and you've got mm. a toddler being looked after by, you know, your 
partner or her, mm. she said her mum, you just feel, would feel helpless. Of course she would. Of course she mm. would. The strength to be able to get through it day by day. Kate Middleton had really bad high premises, she didn't did. she, as well? Like, horrendous. Yeah, yeah. and like, you, you obviously spend time in hospital because you're so dehydrated. Yeah. I mean, you must get to the birth and just think, yes, come oh on. God. I wonder, is it like a light switch? As soon as you have the baby, does it, does it just go away? I think so. Yeah, as soon as those pregnancy hormones go, then you feel fine. It's mad. I'd go to McDonald's and get myself 24 chicken nuggets and large fries. Oh, I love or it. some sushi. No, I'll go back at these, actually. I'll go, yeah. yeah. I, I can't think. I'd probably just go to the cinema and buy loads of pick and mix. <laughs> You're so random. What a random thing to eat. I'm having train tracks fitted on Thursday. Actually, it's the f- it might not be the full train track, but some kind of metal in my mouth on Thursday. Oh, God. And I am not going to be able to eat sweets for two years. That's why I've got pick and mix on, in my mind. Two years. You, you, you do know what you've signed up for, right? Like, oh, I've got train to. Tracks. I've got no choice. What do you mean? Well, I've got two baby teeth, so it's either... Well, you've I've had, had them this for done, nearly 40 years now. They'll fall out. The teeth are there. The uh, the adult teeth are right there. So they are, will fall out in the next six months. If I don't do it, can so you imagine? document them on, it, on Instagram. <gasps> Look at George's baby teeth falling out. Oh my God, I wonder what the tooth fairy pays these days. Dude, you're way too old for the tooth fairy. Oh my God, you're going to have train tracks. Have you decided what colour um, you're going to go for? It's not like that anymore. <laughs> oh, when I had them, I had purple and green. I used to get the bands changed all the time. <laughs> I'm good. I mean, I hope not. No, I think they're quite, like, you won't really, they'll just be clear. Everything will be clear. Okay. I think mean, even, you can't really see the metal either. Oh, George, how are you feeling about it? I'm sorry to poke fun at you. I'm actually, how are you feeling no, about it? I'm I'm happy because I've got to do it. Like, I, I literally have to do it, so... That's okay. not really a choice. Get ready to never snog your husband again as well. Well, that is an added bonus. <laughs> You'll be like a high-class cool girl. You'll be like, I don't kiss on the mouth. You won't be able to. No blowjobs, no kissing. <laughs> I mean, it's my dream life. Not going to lie. And on that note, ladies and gents, it's time for us to say goodbye for another week. Um, as always, we'd love you to rate, review, subscribe and give the podcast a little follow. Yeah, please do. And any suggestions for guests, any feedback on the podcast, please drop us a DM. We're on at Made by Mamas on Instagram and we'll We'll be back on Friday. Made by Mamas is an insanity podcast production, and today's episode was produced by the lovely Charlotte Mason. Insanity Group. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.